Hey, what's up? My name is Stephen, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Next month, I'm starting a new series. We're finishing up My Big Fat Mouth today, starting a new series next week called Behind the Scenes. And a lot of churches may not talk about this, and maybe you don't think about it, but those of us who are walking with Jesus, there is a lot going on behind the scenes that we don't always recognize. If you stay to the end of the movie, what happens at the end of the movie? The credits. And it's the things that we see in the credits that makes everything happen that we see on the screen. And all those people are working behind the scenes. All that stuff is happening behind the scenes. And it's the same with our faith in that there's so much going on behind the scenes that we don't always see or acknowledge. And so we're going to talk about like spiritual warfare a little bit. We're going to talk about principles of sowing and reaping. You guys are actually going to get an opportunity to hear from our worship leader, Jonathan, on the power of worship. Come on, it's going to be, I'm not going to say incredible because I think I've said it like 10 times already. <laughs> right? But it's going to be amazing. Right? Can I use that word? It's going to be awesome. But I want us to be aware of the spiritual, supernatural side of our faith and the things that go on and behind the scenes that we may not be aware of. But for today, I want us to finish up my big fat mouth. And to be honest, I'm, I'm ready to be done with this series Anyone else ready to be done with this series? I feel like every week it's been a punch in the mouth <laughs> um, for you and also for me because I'm, I'm giving the words that may sting a little bit, but you guys are shooting daggers out of your eyes up here at me, and so I have to go home and just like meditate in the Lord. I'm like, God, am I okay? Am I going to make it? But the truth is we get ourselves in a lot of trouble with our mouth and our words, right? And, and we, we say a lot of things that we wish we could take back and and, and we, we, we can and we try to make it right. And so we've talked about having power in our words. And some of the sins that are committed with our mouth are really the most acceptable in culture, but can be the most damaging. Last week we talked about we have to see gossip as sin. And like there are, there are whole businesses built around gossip. There are whole media platforms and social media platforms that are really, when you dig down to it, are built around what? Gossip. And we think and we see that it's so socially acceptable that it just, we, we fall into it so easy. But we have to come back to the place of seeing gossip as sin and understanding that, that, that it damages those around us and it damages our heart because Solomon talks about gossip and rumors being like dainty little morsels that sink into our heart and they take root. And really what, what, what it is is it's not that we have a word problem, it's we have a heart problem and that we just want to be seen. And then the first week we talked about complaining and how complaining is the evidence and the fruit of an ungrateful heart. And so today um, I want to talk about something that we start doing at a very, very early age, really without any training. Um, and it just kind of comes naturally. And the first time that I remember actually lying is I was about seven or eight years old. 
and my younger sister was two to three years old, and, and we were playing in the living room, and she was running. We had a sectional, like, 80s couch. You remember those, like, super comfortable, and so she's running from one end of the couch to the other, and I'm trying to throw a pillow at her to knock her off the couch because I was an amazing big brother, not incredible. I'm not saying it again, right? And so I took the pillow, and I was swinging it around like this to try to build up momentum, and I was watching her as she was going, and I let it go right as she was getting to the end of the couch. But do you know what was at the other end of the couch that she was running to? There was a lamp. I missed my sister, and I hit the lamp. <laughs> and the lamp fell off the side stand and shattered. It was a glass lamp. Mom comes into the room, running, screaming, oh my gosh, what's happening? My sister was standing next to the lamp because I missed her. So guess who broke the lamp? Sister broke the lamp. Sister broke the lamp. And so my sister got, like, spanked. And so then I felt bad. I was like, Mom, I'm sorry. It was me. It was me. And then I remember in high school, I started driving. Because nobody ever lies when you're driving, right, when you first start driving. And so at 15, my dad allowed me to go to school driving my car. I wasn't 16 yet, but he was going to let me drive. It was the last day of school. He says, but I just want you to go to school and come straight home. Yeah, Dad, I promise, just let me drive. I will come straight home. I took my friend Josh home, and then I came home. And so the next day, after my dad got off work, he was like, so did you come straight home? I was like, yeah, Dad, absolutely. You told me to come straight home? He was like, well, why are there nine more miles on the car than what there should be? Logged that for when I'm a parent, right? <laughs> and so now that I'm an adult, I have completely quit lying. I don't lie at all. As an adult now, my kids are always asking, Dad, did you eat all the snacks? No, babe, your mom ate all the snacks. She <laughs> ate all the snacks. But in all honesty, we laugh, and there are things that we lie about that, that are maybe superficial. But in all honesty, we all lie. Raise your hand if you have lied in the last 24 hours. Wow. I've got two hands up. Okay. All right, you guys just, everyone look at me. Don't look around. <laughs> all right? Raise your hand if you've lied in the last 24 to 48 hours. Okay, now, 24 to 48 hours, I'll give you extra. So, so here's the thing, he's like, I don't know, have I, have I, I don't know. Here's the thing, like people, average person lies four times a day. So if you didn't raise your hand in this moment, odds are you just used one of your four. <laughs> Okay, you just used one of your four. And actually, like, there's some studies that show that 60% of the people, when they meet a new person for the first time, they cannot have a 10-minute conversation without lying to that person. 60%. So keep your conversations with a new person to about eight or nine minutes. So that way, you're like, all right, you got like two more minutes, and then I'm out, right? And so, but we all, and we laugh, and we all do it. And so I want you to know, just to kind of break the ice, yes, it is, an, an egregious sin, but it's also something that we are all guilty of. And when we look in Scripture, some of the greatest saints in Scripture are guilty of lying from the, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. We see Abraham and Sarah, the father and mother of, of, of our faith in some senses. And there was one point, actually two times, Abraham was going to a new city and lied about his wife. He said, when we get into town, babe, you tell them you're my sister because I'm afraid they'll kill me if they find out you're my wife. And he doesn't just do it once. He does it once, gets caught, and then like years later, and he's in his 80s by this point, he does it again. 
the Lord shows up at their camp and is talking to Abraham that Sarah's going to have a baby. And she laughs and says, there's no way I can have. And so the Lord says, why did you laugh? And Sarah's like, I didn't laugh. But it's God. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, you did. You can't lie to God, right? He knows all, sees all. And then we see David commit adultery and try to cover it up with lying and murdering. And then even in the New Testament, one of Jesus' closest disciples, Peter, the one on, on which he's going to build the church, denied that he even knew Jesus after he'd been traveling with him for three years. And so we're all guilty of it, but it doesn't make it okay. Go to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. This is Jesus' brother, and we're going to look in verse 13. James chapter 3, verse 13 says, If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing God's work with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover it up. Don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. And then I read verse 17 this morning in prayer and preparation. It says, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace, loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. And so James has given us some instructions here and, and, and really some descriptions because I've told you guys, like the problems that we have with our mouth, they're, they're not word problems. When we have a problem with complaining, that's not our words, that's our heart. When we have a problem with gossiping, that's not our words, that's our heart. When we have a problem with lying, it's not our words, it's our heart. And the, the, the heart issue that we have when we feel like we need to lie to those around us is that we have a selfishly ambitious heart. James just says it. He says, when there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. What does it mean? Selfish ambition in the Greek is this word erethea. And, and what it means is it places self-interest ahead of what the Lord declares is right or what is good for others. We lie out of selfish ambition. We lie because we want to put ourselves above the person that we're speaking to. We're, we're, we're lying basically to, um, to protect ourselves. We're lying to preserve ourselves, And we're lying to present ourselves or project ourselves as better than what we really are. Does that make sense? And I want you to like Rolodex through your mind, those of you who have admitted your guilt, right? But those of you who have not still think like in the times where you have found yourself lying, and, and, and you have a choice in the moment. You've either done something or you're trying to cover something up. And, and, and you have a choice to either tell the truth or, or lie. We're doing it for the reason of self-preservation. Because we're trying to get out of trouble, right? My sister knocked down the lamp because I'm not getting a whooping from my dad, right? Or we're trying to project and present ourselves as better. I'm going to drive my friend home from school because I want to be cool in his eyes and my friend's eyes. And so I cover it up. Would you guys agree that it's selfish ambition that brings us to lies? We want to protect ourselves from harm or we want to project ourselves as better than, than listen, project ourselves as better than what we think we are 
are what we think other people think we are. I know I'm digging a little bit, but, but I know when I found myself maybe exaggerating the truth at times, it's because I'm thinking about how someone else sees me. And I want to improve their view of me, right? Or, or I'm, I'm thinking about how I view me, and I'm trying to improve my view of me. Would you guys agree to that? And so lying is from the fruit of a selfish heart. But in all honesty, like, we've, we've lied at times with an excuse of we're protecting the other person. Anybody done that? You don't have to, like, look around. But we withhold truth or we cover something up because we don't want to hurt that person. And so we kind of have this righteous thought that we're doing something good for them. Even that is selfish ambition. Because what we've done or what we would say is the truth would hurt them. Because the truth can be abrasive sometimes. And, and we are avoiding the consequence of seeing the consequence from our action. Does that make sense? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help us understand and that, that when we do something and we don't want someone to know, we lie to cover it up because we don't want to hurt them. That's self-preservation and that we are avoiding the conflict of seeing the pain that we've caused in their life. Instead, in our mind, what the enemy's done is he's twisted that and saying, you're, you're trying to protect them, but really we're trying to protect ourselves because that's what the enemy does. The enemy is all about self-preservation. And so let's look at the ways that we lie, okay? I'm kind of thinking about in my life and other relationships and looking at scripture, there's two ways. Is, is the first one is, is we falsify. We falsify truths. We just make, like, children do this all the time, and they're really good at it. And some of you may know some adults that are really, really good at it. They, they make up these grand stories. My oldest daughter had some M&Ms one time in church, and we told her she could not eat them until after church. We pick her up from church. She'd been in the nursery the entire time. She has chocolate all over her dress. Ella, did you eat the chocolate? No, I didn't eat the chocolate. What's on your dress? Mud. It's like... I don't think there's any mud in the two-year-old nursery, babe. I don't know. Like, where did you get that? It's, it's mud. She was creating this grand idea. And, and what we do is, is we falsify the facts. We make it seem better than what it is. And then there's the other way that we lie, and it's, it's concealing. Concealing, and it's withholding the truth, hiding information. Um, for those of us who are nines on the Enneagram, this is probably where we struggle. This is where I struggle because sometimes truth is going to hurt people. And as, as a nine in my personality, I hate conflict. I will avoid conflict sometimes at all costs. And so there have been times where, where I know I should say something and speak truth into someone's life, but I refrain from it because I want to avoid the conflict. Guess what? That's concealing truth. There was one time in 2016, 2017, um, God was kind of dealing, wrestling within me of if I should stay at Love and Truth Church or if I should pursue planning a church or get out of ministry. And it was like this year and a half long of just kind of wrestling with God. And in the meantime, I was teaching a Bible class at a, at a Christian school. We were, I was teaching the book of John. It was one class a day and I'd built an incredible relationship with the principal and the teachers and the dean of students invited me to lunch. I was like, cool, dean of students, we're gonna go to lunch. And I thought, you know, we were gonna talk ministry stuff. And he offered me a position with the school. Now, my pastor was in Africa on a missions trip at that time. 
And so I've been wrestling with what I should do. And so I have this conversation, and then I talk with Jennifer, and she's like, are you going to tell Pastor you had the conversation? I was like, do you know Pastor? I don't know if I should have that. And she's like, you, you, you've got to tell him that you're at least going to be praying about it and thinking about it. And, and I wasn't going to tell him because, again, that's going to be conflict. So pastor gets back from Africa. He's like, hey, Stephen, let's go to lunch. <laughs> Guess where we go to lunch? The same place I'd went with the dean of students. And in my mind, I'm like replaying all these mafia movies <laughs> that I had seen. <laughs> I'm like, I'm replaying all that. And so we get in and we're talking. And the whole time I'm thinking, he knows. He already knows. He already knows. And he's brought here to confront me. And so like I'm looking at the table where we sat over there, just replaying. I was like, I gotta, I gotta tell him. I gotta tell him. And so I just took a deep breath and I leaned in and I shared the information with him and I felt so much better. Even though he wasn't asking, I knew it was something I was supposed to share with him and I was gonna withhold it to protect myself. And haven't you found that when you finally let the truth out, you feel so much better? Because the truth is, is like we're not just injuring those that are around us, um, we're hurting ourselves. And James says in this, he says, where you find selfish ambition, you find disorder. Think about that. Where there is selfish ambition and we're trying to cover it up with lies, we start seeing disorder in our life. We start seeing disorder in our relationship. We start seeing disorder in, 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 in our finances. We start seeing disorder in other areas when we make a decision to falsify and conceal the truth because no matter how well-meaning we may be, no matter how good our intentions may be for the other persons about self-preservation. And so Proverbs says this, Proverbs 12, 22. It says, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. Proverbs 12, 22, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. And that, that Hebrew word for detest is actually the word for nauseous. So when we lie, we make God nauseous. I had a girl in a youth group. She could not stand wet grass. And so the guys would always mess with her when there was like wet grass shavings and they would throw it. Like, oh, I can't, oh, I can't. She would get nauseous. And so I want you to think that, <laughs> that when we lie, God is nauseous when we lie. And, and, and we think that we're just lying to the other person, but actually for those of us who are followers of Jesus and are, are doing our best to walk with him, our first lie is not to the person that we're lying to or to ourselves, but our first lie is to God. Is, is we are first lying to him because we've made a commitment to follow his ways, to trust him, to be disciplined and challenged by him. And when we make a decision to lie, we're lying first to him. And when we lie to him, then we make the decision to lie to others. And, and, and when, we, when we lie to others, you know, it can start small. If you've been late to work or a meeting and you really overslept, Murfreesboro gives you a really, really good excuse in that the traffic was horrible, right? But there are times when the traffic is not horrible, but it's still the traffic's fault, even though maybe you didn't schedule your time right. You didn't wake up on time, whatever. We start small. Maybe we lie about the cost of something. 
Um, maybe you're an introvert and you don't want to go out with someone and they ask you to go, like, go out to dinner and you tell them you already have plans. Your plans are to sit on the couch and watch Netflix, right? <laughs> so you're not telling them the whole truth. But what I find in my life, that when I start allowing these little lies to take root, that it blossoms and grows into greater lies. And that's what I've seen in other people's lives. And so soon it, 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 it moves from, from lying about oversleeping um, to where we're lying to cover up a sin, where we're lying to cover up um, an addiction, bondage that we're in. We're lying to cover up maybe an issue that we're dealing with and the simplest lie that we all tell. And so if you say you didn't lie, I'm going to show you how you lie. When someone asks you how you're doing and you say, fine. How many times have we lied when we've said that? When on the inside and in here, we're not fine. But again, what are we doing? We're, we're, we're self-protecting because we don't want people to know our real issues. Because if they knew our real issues, they wouldn't want to be around us. And so then we move from not just lying to God to lying to others, but then what winds up is, is we wind up lying to ourselves, guys. And when I was thinking about this last night and I was really wrestling with it, and it's not that we're just lying to, our, lying to ourselves. We are actually believing a lie and then lying to ourselves to compensate for that lie that we believe. Let me, let me help you understand. The enemy whispers to you that you're not enough, which is a lie. The enemy whispers to you that you will never be anything, which is not true. And so what we do in order to cover up that lie, we tell another lie. We exaggerate. We say, I'm fine. We say things are better than what they are because if they really knew the truth here, they wouldn't want to be around me. So what happens is, is, is we believe a lie then we tell a lie to cover that up. And over time, we continue to lie to ourselves. We say, I don't have a problem. Um, I'm really, really just protecting them. If they knew the truth, it would hurt them. We're protecting ourselves. I can quit anytime I want to. I can make changes anytime I want to, so I'm not gonna deal with it right now. And so what happens is, is we start living that out and that becomes us. And then the fourth thing that I see what happens is we are bound by the lies that we tell. My grandmother, granny, my great-grandmother um, had a statement. And I thought it was Shakespeare, but it wasn't. <laughs> right? It says, oh, what a tangled web we weave when we first think to deceive. What a tangled web we weave when we first think to deceive. And so looking at the word picture, my mind of that is like when we tell a lie, we wrap ourselves, we bind ourselves one loop around. And then we have to tell a lie to cover that lie. Or maybe we have to tell another lie to someone else because they won't understand that lie. And so we wind up finding ourselves in bondage, unable to break free of it. And so I wanna help us as followers of Jesus not live in that bondage. I wanna help some of you in here today that, that are believing the lie that the enemy is telling you that you're not enough, you're not good enough. And so you try to project and protect yourself with more lies to cover up that lie. I want to help you understand the truth and that Jesus makes this statement. I want us to break free from these lies. And so how do we stay free? Jesus says this in John 8. He says, and you will know the truth and the truth will what? Set you free. 
See, it's not a lie that sets you free. It may get you out of trouble and push back the consequences for a little bit, but what the lie is doing is it's keeping you in bondage. But what the truth does is the truth sets you free, but it's not just any truth, but guess what? It says, you shall know the truth. So it is the truth that you know, the truth that is in your heart, the truth that is buried down of who you are and who God is and who God says you are. That's the truth that sets you free. Not these falsifications and these concealing of who you are. And Jesus makes a statement a little further on. He says, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. A lie can't free you. A lie keeps you in bondage. The truth frees you. And when the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. And one of our cornerstone verses here at Avenue Church, John 14, 6, Jesus told them, I am the way I am the what? The truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So who is truth? What is truth? Truth is not something, it is someone. Truth are not just words, but it is a person. And the ultimate truth in our lives is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ and in his word. Not what we see on social media, not what we see on the news, not what we want to believe that that someone else has said about us what we think about us, but truth is in God's word of who we are. And that is the truth that sets us free. So for those of us in here that, that, that maybe we have a problem with lying, maybe we're carrying around a weight of a lie that we've told in the past and we know we need to deal with it, the Holy Spirit is maybe working in your heart even now, like you went back maybe two or three years ago, something that you tried to cover up or hide and the Holy Spirit's brought it back to you and, and, and that weight is back, that is not condemnation. The enemy wants to condemn you and tell you that you're not enough, that they won't accept you, that God doesn't love you if you bring this truth to the front. That the enemy wants to condemn you. What the Holy Spirit wants to do is convict you to bring you to a place of repentance, to bring you to a place of freedom. And so how do we get free? Two confessions. First scripture says that that if we confess our sins, to God, he is faithful and just and will forgive us, will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So the first person we lie to is God. When we make a decision to lie in whatever small way, the first person we lie to is God. And so we go there first. We go there and receive forgiveness and we are made righteous in that moment. He forgets it and remembers it no more. He chooses, like I forget stuff all the time, not on purpose. God chooses not to remember your sin. And so we take care of that. What do we do next? James tells us to do this. He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you might be healed. And so maybe you need to go to that individual. You need to go to that family member. We need to go to that friend and set the record straight and say, look, I've not been being honest with you. This is really hard to say. Guys, there's, there's been times we've all had to do that. Matthew told me this morning, guess what you have to do? You just have to lean in and trust that God will take care of the outcome because you're doing what you're supposed to do as a follower of Jesus. Lean into honesty. Let's lean into truthfulness. Guys, in our culture and society right now, it is so hard to know what is truth and what is not truth. 
That's one of the reasons I wanted to do this series is because as the church, we should be the ones complaining the least. We should be the ones gossiping the least. We should be the ones that are honest the most because we are, Jesus says this, like we are a city on a hill. We are the salt of the earth. And for those of us who are walking with Jesus, we have a responsibility to watch our mouths, to make sure that we speak the truth in love, to make sure that we turn un, like um, complaining into gratitude, to make sure we stop gossip. And we start with bringing our sins before the Father, confessing those, and then going to those that we've hurt, whether we've gossiped about them, whether we've lied to them, and making things right with them. So I want us to close our eyes and bow our head as we close. And I want to I wanna speak very specifically to those of you who are here and you do not have a relationship with Christ. And you've been believing the lie that he won't accept you for who you are. And so you've tried to cover up who you are and lies of lifestyles and conversations and relationships to try to be somebody that you think God will accept, to try to be someone that you think others will accept. And I want you to know right where you're seated, he's already accepted you. He showed his acceptance for you before you took your first breath. When he gave his life for you, that was the ultimate show of love and acceptance. You've done absolutely nothing to earn his acceptance and his love. But what you can do in this moment is to receive that to accept that, to believe that for yourself, to acknowledge that truth over the lies that you tell yourself and over the lies that the enemy whispers to you, to believe that truth because it is that truth that sets you free. And when you are free in that truth, there is nothing that can bind you up. And if you're here today and that's you, I wanna give you an opportunity to be free in the truth of of who Jesus is simply by saying, Jesus, I give you my life and by lifting your hand. And if that's you today, I just wanna invite you with every head bowed and eye closed and you want freedom in Christ today, just simply lift your hand. Awesome. All right, look up here at me, guys. Here's the most incredible thing. Um, raising your hand is an act, but that act doesn't save you. That just simply acknowledges when you fall down as a child and your father's around and you reach up, your father picks you up. When we come to moments like this and we lift our hand, it's simply acknowledging that we need our father to pick us up. And so in a moment, I'm gonna pray and it's not my words that save you, but <clears throat> it's your words. You get to have the conversation with the one who knows you most, your insides, your heart, your desires, your dreams. And you simply say, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm, I'm asking you to forgive me and I wanna follow you as best as I can. And for the rest of us, I'm gonna pray that, that we would speak truth in the small things and in the great things that, that 
we would be convicted in that moment when we have a choice to be honest or to falsify and conceal, that we would be honest. So let's pray together. Father, I come to you this morning and so incredibly grateful for your presence in this house today. God, I thank you for your people and the work that you've done in our hearts. And Father, right now, as those that are at their seat, that have acknowledged they need a Savior, that they need you in their life, God, I pray that you wrap your arms of love, arms of encouragement, arms of acceptance around them, around their heart, that they would know that they are loved. They don't have to lie. They don't have to pretend to be someone they're not, that you love them exactly as they are. God, that all things that are in the past are gone and all things are made new. You have taken our sins and has put them as far as the east is from the west, never to remember them again. So God, let that shame and guilt be replaced with, with confidence and strength and knowing who they are in you. And Father, for the rest of us, for your church, those who are following you and doing our best to represent you, God, help us to taste our words, to not let the bitter words out, but let the life-giving, refreshing words out. God, help us to do the hard work, to deal with the complaints and the gossip and the lying so that we can be that city on the hill that salt of the earth that we need to be to make an impact and bring life to our communities. And so, Father, we thank you for all this. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and everyone says, amen, amen. Come on, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate.